Welcome to Ride Over Stride, episode 71. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here again with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hey, Van, how are you? Hey, Laura, I'm doing great. Thank you. Just uh, feel incredibly grateful today. I mean, I'm just, I'm loving the fact that you can be in North Texas, I'm down in South Texas, and we're communicating to people literally all over the world. And when I think about that compared to, it wasn't that long ago that my girls were like fussing at me to get rid of my flip phone. (laughs) (laughs) Technology just just blows me away. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for it. And so many times, so just uh, really feeling good today about it. It's a, it's an amazing thing to, to be able to sit in your room and, and have a conversation with people you know, some of whom, many of whom you'll never meet that are all over the world and be able to speak into their lives. But I know you love it when you do get to hear from them. So. Oh, absolutely. You bet. In fact, because we've heard some of that, was kind of the, the point of today's topic okay. is that some lady, I want to say it was one of our listeners in New Zealand, asked if you could teach the quote unquote it factor. And then she went on to explain what she interpreted the it factor to be. And of course, she just defined it as it factor being greatness. And do you, do you teach that? Do you train that? And I thought, man, what a great topic. And then she followed it up. Well, and if so, then how? Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's, that's really a great topic. And it's great because it fits right into what I like to talk about, which is both the horsemanship and the humanship aspect of it. For example, I love to watch people with talent and I don't care if it's on America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent or wherever, but I love to watch those shows and you see these absolutely phenomenal creative uh, musicians singers, dancers, magicians. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just amazed by people who have that talent. Mm. And yet there's some people who have this great talent, but they absolutely have zero stage presence. Or you see other folks who have zero stage presence, but they have this phenomenal ability to sing and project their voice. And so you've, you've got that talent. And then you've got some folks that just have it. I mean, they've got the, the total package. And the question is, do you do you train that? And I think in some way you can you can refine it, you can train that to a degree. But I truly believe that that greatness is within somebody, or it's within your horse. Our job as horsemen to answer her question: Do you train the it factor? And if you do, how? Our job is to first acknowledge that it's probably already there; it exists. If we have trust and faith that it is there, that our job is to do nothing, nothing dark, or to do nothing more than just to help realize that and bring it out. So that's kind of what I want to really focus this whole discussion on today is about that it factor and how do we bring it out of them. I understand that the part of the question is whether and if so, how we can train that. But before we go there, what makes a horse great? What What is the it factor in a horse? What, you know, you, you defined it or she defined it as greatness in a horse. In your opinion, what makes a horse great? I'll just say, in, in my opinion, there's certain things that I look for in, in almost every horse that I either train, ride, buy, whatever the case may be. 
And over the years, it's gotten to be that one key factor that I call trainability. And trainability to me means they're open-minded, they're willing, and they're trusting. They will learn to do almost anything that we ask them to do. And then the other thing I look for is their athleticism. If we're going to be doing anything on our horses at all, I don't care if it's trail riding or you know going over jumps or if it's team roping, reining, cutting, let's face it, they've got to be an athlete. Just walking down a trail is an athletic maneuver. So we want to make sure the horse has that athleticism. So with the trainability and the athleticism, we've got something to work with. The other thing is we all want to ride a pretty horse. So I want to have a certain amount of eye appeal. But when I say eye appeal, I'm not talking about just color, you know, oh, I love a good Palomino or I love a good gray horse or I love black. That's part of it. But the other part of eye appeal, too, is the overall confirmation. How well balanced is the horse? This is, has he got a cute little head, a cute little ear? What do his eyes look like? So to me, when I'm thinking of that it factor, when the horse has as many of those characteristics as possible, that's kind of the it factor. The icing on the cake, though, is that trainability, because Mm -hmm. if I can't bring all of that out in him, I can't all those gifts that God gave him, which is a perfect confirmation, the beauty and the athleticism. But if you can't train it to do something positive, then it's just useless. Mm -hmm. And so and I know this is a little bit of a side trail here, but how how do you identify that in a horse? If you if you were going out to to buy a horse for yourself or for a client, and you wanted to get one that has this it factor, that has the the qualities that you've just described, how do you? I mean, the 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 confirmation and all that is that's easy. You can look at them and you can kind of see how they're built and and that sort of thing. How do you? identify a horse that has those other components, that trainability, when when you're just looking for a horse or you you see a young horse that you might want to bring into training. How are you going to identify that? There's several things, but but I'll just kind of give you an example of, of this one particular horse that we had here at the ranch for quite a while. He was actually at the ranch that I was leasing, and he was a gorgeous looking stud horse across the road from where the ranch was. And so finally I asked the ranch owner, so, Hey, what's the deal with the horse across the road over there? Oh man, he's, he's an outlaw, man. I mean, don't be fooled by his looks. He's good looking and everything, but don't be fooled. He's, he's an outlaw. He's already bucked off, you know, two or three really good hands and they just finally gave up on him. He's just, he's just dangerous. But yet, Laura, every time I looked at this horse, I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, he's such a gorgeous looking animal. And I'd go over there and I'd, I'd pet on him and I'd look at him and he had the sweetest, kindest eye, but he was very standoffish. But every day I'd have to go over there and fill up his water trough. And every day I would spend just those few minutes just being still and just watching him. Before you know it, he kept coming up to me, coming up to the fence. And finally we made contact. I just put my hand in such a, pl- a place that he could reach up and he could smell it. And I'd take my hand away, put my hand back, he'd smell it again, take my hand away. And eventually he'd stay there long enough for me to to just start petting on him and stroking him. Over time, this horse just got so used to me coming over there and being kind to him. He just started accepting me to rub him and touch him all over. Before you know it, I was back on the phone again. So, hey, man, what's the story with this horse? Tell me again what what was wrong with him. Because I'm not seeing in just the visual aspect of this horse, these characteristics that you're trying to describe to me. In other words, something inside of me thought maybe this horse has the it factor. So I finally just asked, Hey, with your permission, can I just go get him and bring him back over on this side of the road and start working with him? 
well, if you insist, man, but Dan, just be careful. I mean, he's an outlaw. He's already hurt two or three people, and you just want to be really careful. Well, I brought him back over there and started working with the horse as if he had never been touched. I mean, he had, but I just acted like he'd never been touched. And certain things began to reveal themselves about him. He was literally afraid to make a mistake. Every, he had zero confidence. Every time he'd make a mistake, you could see this horse just kind of melt as if he was expecting to get in really bad trouble. So what I did was I just let him make a mistake and I made no big deal out of it. I just kept focusing on what I wanted instead of focusing on the things that he was giving me, hmm. which oftentimes were filled with mistakes. He was doing all kinds of things wrong, but I just I, I didn't put my head in the sand. It's not like they didn't exist. I just made it easier for him to succeed. And then when he would succeed and got the pressure taken off of him, or when he would fail and didn't get more pressure added to him, over time, you could see the horse's confidence building. And now you could see that greatness that was within him begin to come to surface more and more. Not necessarily because of what I was doing, but what I wasn't doing. What I wasn't doing was tearing him down for making the mistakes that he was making. All I was doing was just supporting his greatness. It was already there. He was, you know, God blessed him with this great mind and God blessed him with this beautiful look. I mean, he was a beautiful red roan horse, you know, long mane and tail, stocking legs in the rear, star strip to snip in the front. I mean, he's just a beautiful animal. And over time, this horse's confidence began to really take off. So, so many times I tell people that it's not just a gut feeling. The horse has really got to show you something, but you've got to really be open-minded, non-critical and let that horse reveal what he's got. And whatever he's got, you've got to bring that out by giving the horse confidence, because with confidence, they'll continue to try more things. And if they try more things, then before you know it, their true talent might be revealed. So what I tell people is it's not so much what you do. It's some of the things, sometimes it's what you don't do. In this case, don't reprimand them every time they make a mistake. In fact, I tell people all the time, I never let my, my brain wrap around the idea of reprimanding a horse. There's very, very few instances where I will actually reprimand a horse. And usually it's got to do with some sort of intentional attack on my person. If the horse pins his ears and comes at me and attacks me, then I'm going to reprimand the horse for that. I, I want to make him think that he just picked the fight that he can't win, even though the Lord knows he can, he can whoop me. But I've got to make that impression on him that that was a scary thing for him to do. That's the only time I find myself reprimanding my horse. The rest of the time, and you've heard me say it before, I focus on the basics and I make them do a lot of it to where those basics are energy consum uh, consuming. And therefore, what their reprimand becomes in their mind is they're having to work too hard. So they will begin to seek out the easier task. So I don't really reprimand them. I just give them more of what it is they already do and they already do well. And because they already do it well, what does it do? It fuels their confidence in the ability to do the basics. And we, over time, just begin to push the basics a little bit more until, again, that greatness comes to surface. So that's what I want to emphasize to people is be aware that that greatness may already be there. It may be within them. Our job is to just recognize it and then just let it come out. So oftentimes what I'm looking for is not that gut feeling per se. It's just those characteristics that, that look about them, that, that physical presence about them. And then given that what God already put in them given that a shot by keeping their training simple enough that it will help develop their confidence. So if I'm hearing you right, you don't believe we train in the it factor. It's something they're born with. I think pretty much they're born with it. You know, that they, they just have it there. We don't train it. In other words, you, you know, you've heard the old expression. We say it a lot in Texas, you know, you just can't polish a turd, you know, or, <laughs> uh, and sometimes I'll, 
I'll tell people when they're riding with or they're working with a horse, it's just a piece of crap. He's got crooked legs, an ugly head, a U neck, and all the negative things we like. And I think to myself, you know, all this horse is going to be is a better trained dink. You know, God gave him what he's given him. And it was probably just a bunch of screw ups of humans. So, well, let's mix this with that. Let's just come up with this. And before you know it, they've got this ugly animal out there that really has no real purpose other than just something to eat your grass, which if that's what you're shooting for, that's great. But he lacks all the characteristics that most of us really like with our horses, which is something of beauty, something of strength, something of balance, something of some sort of representation of the breeds. That's what we're all looking for. And there's so many different breeds. But quite frankly, sometimes combinations of different breeds just don't make a good looking horse. And I'll give you an example. Several years ago, I saw this magazine on my mom's coffee table and it kind of caught my attention because I've always been kind of a Robert Redford fan. And I guess the caption or whatever you want to call it on the magazine cover was talking about creating the perfect man. And what they did was they took Robert Redford's hair, Paul Newman's eyes, Tom Selleck's mustache and uh, Mark Spitz's legs and So they took all these body parts from all these beautiful, gorgeous men, and they combined them through a computer image thing to create this, what would think would would be the perfect male. That was the ugliest human being you ever saw in your life. (laughs) You see, so sometimes I think people think that you can do that with horses. Like, oh, well, this horse is bred so great. and He does this good. So let's put a little of that in there. And then let's go breed into this mare over here. Let's put a little of that. And you know what? Oh, Sugar Plum will cross the way over there. She's always been so sweet. So we want to breed that sweetness into our babies too. Then you look up and you just produce the ugliest freaking horse in the whole wide world that really has no athletic ability toward what we really want the horse to do. So what I tell people is just kind of leave that up to the experts. Sometimes it's not a good idea to kind of try to create that greatness. Let us let mother nature take its course with that. But once we do see the greatness, our job is to just bring that out. And I hope that kind of makes sense to people. We just want to let just bring that out. So again, what I look for is I look for all those positive characteristics of a good eye appeal, athleticism, all of those things, and the trainability. Because if they don't have the trainability, in other words, that willingness to do what we're going to try to help them do, then it's very difficult for those horses to truly succeed and truly be great and in competitive situations, great and great winners. I want to share one more story about a a guy that I played football with in college. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to run the risk of embarrassing anybody or or, uh, upsetting anyone. But this guy was probably one of the best athletes that I had ever seen in my life. And he was a running back just like me. So part of me was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to compete against this guy. He's He's quicker than I am. He's as fast or faster than I am. I mean, he's just a phenomenal athlete. The problem was he just couldn't wrap his brain around going toward the goal line. And I literally saw him one day in practice dodge and weave and duck around until almost the whole defense had had their chance at tackling and missed him. And he still didn't score. And it was so amazing to me as to how can you have all of that talent, but you can't direct it. In other words, no matter how hard the coaches worked with him, they just couldn't get it in his brain. Son, sometimes you just got to run north and south. So he lacked that trainability. God blessed him with this beautiful body, this strength that was just amazing, unbelievable quickness and speed, but he couldn't direct that in a way that made it productive on the football field. Didn't mean he was any less of a character and any less of a guy. He just wasn't productive on the football field. So we have to think sometimes, and maybe what he just lacked was that it factor, that that lack of trainability 
is that one little piece there that he lacked in order to achieve the greatness that was within him. So I think the same thing happens with us when we're when we're working with our horses. We have to recognize that it may be there and can we help develop that? I don't necessarily think we train it. We, we just develop it and bring it out. And when we can bring it out and then direct it, that's when we can achieve the greatness. And when you have a horse that that you've identified has those factors that you just you see the potential for greatness there. Do you do anything differently with that horse than you do with any other horse? I don't think so. I don't think you do anything differently. The most important thing is that you have to be keenly aware that sometimes horses, just like people, that the confidence of beings can sometimes be very fragile. Greatness, they have to feel like they just have the most tremendous amount of courage that they will go and they will try and they'll do anything in their power to quote-unquote win. Now, I don't think horses grasp the concept of winning, but I know they have the ability to try their dead-level best. I've just seen it too many times with too many different types of horses that once they're trained and they're developed and they gain confidence in those skills, that they will try their dead-level best to do whatever exercise you've asked them to do to the absolute best of their ability. How do you do, how do, you do that? And my, my answer is always the same. Keep it incredibly simple and let the horse develop a habit of success. Mm. And with a habit of success, it develops their confidence. When they develop confidence, they also develop their courage. And that's what we're looking for with those unbelievably great horses. And even if it's just a trail riding horse, you know, it really bothers me sometimes. Well, Van, I don't really need to learn all that stuff. I just trail ride. Sweetheart, that's the most important time to develop that horse's courage and confidence is in that uncontrolled environment out there in the real world. That's where as a rider, I want the horse that feels like he's 10 foot tall and bulletproof because he's got confidence in himself and he's got confidence in me as his leader. Mm. And with that, we can achieve greatness, you see. But we do that not by training the greatness. What we do is, is by keeping everything simple enough for the horse that it just develops their confidence. I, that's what I'd emphasize to people more than anything is don't push the great horse too much because if you push it to the point of failure, failure is just as addictive and is just as, as habit forming as mm-hmm. success. So we've got to be very careful to push the horse to a certain point, but not to the point to where he's failing repetitiously. We need to back up a little bit, let him, let him succeed. Let him succeed again. Let him succeed again. And that's not to say that we can't go back and do some of the things we talked about on on the previous episode, which was create those controlled wrecks, which oftentimes might involve a little bit of failure. But you don't want to do it to so extreme that it blows the horse's confidence and blows their mind to the point where they just don't feel like trying anymore. You know, and here's the thing, too, I want people to realize. I've seen horses in certain programs, and again, I'm not going to mention any names, but the horses would do really well to a certain point and they get to the point where the trainers felt like they were under pressure and they start pushing the horses too much. And before you know it, the horse starts having little failures. And then that trainer will call the owner and say, you know what? This horse is just not going to make it. He's just not going to make it as a cutter. We just need to call him, get rid of him, take him home, do something different with him, turn him out, do whatever, but he's just not going to make it as a cutter. You take that horse out of that scenario and you put him in the hands of a different type trainer that's approach is slightly different. And as a result, this horse will get back on the habit of success. As a result, this horse will get better. 
more consistent in its confidence, more consistent in its courage. And before you know it, that horse has achieved greatness. So just because he's labeled by one person doesn't necessarily mean that he's a failure across the board. Hmm. Sometimes it's just a matter of redeveloping the approach so that the horse learns what it's like to succeed again. And, and in my opinion, the most successful trainers out there work on success factor a heck of a lot more than the failure factor. Interesting. I, I'm not a person that's ever probably going to have a horse, you know, like a great horse. Cause, and maybe I'm just thinking in terms of if, if it's a great horse, it's going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> and, and I'm, you know, I'm not a professional horse person. And so I don't have the budget to buy some really expensive horse. But even an average horse can learn a lot of the things that you've been describing here. Well, as soon as you said that, I, I came to Gabar's defense. Your <laughs> gilding Gabar, to me, is a great horse. Mm. Now, is he going off and winning all sorts of trophies and accolades and traveling all over the world, competing as an Arabian horse, doing all this really cool stuff? No. But for what you ask him to do which is oftentimes to babysit riders that don't know really how to ride. But he couldn't do that if he didn't feel confident in himself. You see, so somewhere along the line, somebody's done a great job in developing this horse's confidence, and they've taught him along the way that if some other person got up there and asked him to say, pick up the right lead, then, oh, okay, I know that. I'm confident in that. And he picks up the, great, the right lead. Now, the person sitting on his back at that point in time sure is going to think he's great, and they're also probably going to give themselves a pat on the back. Say, hey, looky there. I got him in the right lead. And the horse is thinking, yeah, 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 I did it for you. <laughs> but I mean, but see, to me, I think all of our horses that we have, regardless of what we do with them, they have, hopefully they have that it factor within them. And when we do, when they do, we can develop that and, and bring it out. So when I, when I hear you say that, I, I immediately think of Gabar and I'm thinking, girlfriend, he is a great horse, yeah. you see. And, and why? Because he possesses all those really cool things. You know, back in his day, I mean, I just saw pictures of him back when he was a lot younger, and he was a very pretty gray color, gorgeous head, beautiful, big, dark eyes. For, you know, I'm not an Arabian person, but for an Arabian, he's got a great Arabian confirmation. I mean, he's very classically built for an Arabian breed. So to me, he's got all the tools that were there. Now, the next question is, is that greatness within him? And someone did something right along the way to help develop that. And as a result, today, he's a great horse in your pasture. That's a good point. I think, and I, I mean, I guess I'm glad we talked about that because when, you know, as we started talking about this and about horses with the it factor and greatness and all of that, I'm thinking, and maybe others listening to this would be thinking, you know, the triple crown winners or the, you know, the reigning champions or those sorts of things. Those are the ones that have that it factor, that have that greatness. But, you know, as, you, as you're talking, I think you're right. Gabar, as an example, he's a great horse for me. He's not going to win races because I don't ask him to win races. I ask him to go where I point his nose and do the, the sorts of things that you were describing. And so I don't think this topic necessarily needs to exclude anybody. Absolutely. And for those horses that are going for, you know, the world championships or the triple crown or whatever that may be, those are just different journeys. Mm -hmm. Gabar's journey is was Gabar's journey. Secretariat's journey was Secretariat's journey. But I promise you, Secretariat couldn't have won the Triple Crown had he not had that courage and had he not had that confidence that someone took the time to develop inside of him. In fact, 
you'll hear some people talk about Secretary and say, you know what, he wasn't really the greatest horse on paper. So somebody had to believe in what was inside. And of course, we call that heart. And heart is developed. The horses got it, but can you develop and get the horse to try and bring that out? And that's the important aspect of the habit of success and that habit of confidence is letting the horse feel like they can do anything that you ask them to do. Over time, the question is, what are you going to ask them to do? And you know, and with that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Before we actually close, I've got a really cool closing quote that I wanna, I wanna share with people today. But before I do, I wanna refer them to a video that I saw, and I've seen this several times. And every time I see it, I ball like a baby. There, and there's several reasons. There's part of the reason is is because it's using a video of a couple of football guys, actually a football team. The other part of the reason I do is because it makes me think how poorly we limit ourselves. We limit ourselves way too much. The video is this. It shows a football coach talking to a small group of his football athletes, and he was talking to one of the guys in particular who was obviously a leader on the team, and I'm just going to call his name Johnny. He said, Johnny, you didn't really do as good a job today as you could. I I want you to do better. And Johnny, can I get you to come up here? I'm going to get you to do what they call a bear crawl. And a bear crawl is where you literally get on your hands and your feet and you start crawling like a bear. And he said, I want you to give me 30 yards of the bear crawl. The guy's like, oh, coach, come on. Yeah, I want you to do it for me, Johnny. But here's the deal. You've got to wear a blindfold for me. And the guy's like, really? What, what have I got to do that? I just don't want you to see where you're going to, Johnny. I'm gonna let, you're going to have to listen to me, and you're going to have to let me guide you toward that 30-yard mark. Oh, and this time we're also going to do it with this other fella on your back. And the other fellow was a fairly good-sized kid, but he only weighed about 140 pounds. And he put the 140-pound kid on the other guy's back, and there they go. Johnny's crawling. And the coach is motivating him. Come on, Johnny, you can do it. Just one more step. Johnny, you're doing great. Just, you're, you're almost there. Keep working at it, son. You're doing wonderful. Meanwhile, keep in mind, little Johnny's blindfolded. Well, unbeknownst to little Johnny, they get beyond the 30-yard mark. And Johnny's muscles are hurting. He's carrying not only his own body weight on just his hands and his, his feet, but he's also got a 140-pound kid on his back. And the coach keeps encouraging him, keeps motivating him, keeps giving him every incentive in the world to keep taking one more step. Long story short, Laura, a little while later, the kid collapses in the end zone. So he didn't go to the 30-yard line as projected. He went another 70 yards and collapsed in the end zone before his mind and his muscles finally gave out. The coach got little Johnny to stand up and had him look down at the other end of the field and realized at that point in time, he had gone 70 extra yards. What happens to us too many times is we see and we think that there are limitations out there for us. We see our horses and we think to ourselves, oh, my horse could never do that. And therefore, we never try because we've got our eyes wide open. Sometimes it's just better to put your freaking head down and your ass up and get to crawling. Hmm. And before you know it, you've just gone beyond the 30-yard mark and you've gone the 70. And not just for us and for ourselves, but for all those around you. Because I guarantee you, when Johnny crossed that 70-yard or that, that mark gone 70 yards further than he anticipated, every player on the team was motivated. My argument is this. If we can have that same attitude that coach did in Johnny's ability to go well beyond the 30-yard mark, and if we just keep working and encouraging those horses to do more and to give more than what they thought that they could, but do it in a way that they knew wouldn't hurt them and wouldn't destroy that confidence, after a while, it's just amazing as to what that horse might achieve if we simply put on the blindfold. 
And I just wanted to realize like, that greatness is there sometimes. We've just got to bring it out. We've got to be that coach that's yelling those words of encouragement, those things that just might get this horse to crawl one more step. And, and Laura, if you don't mind, with that said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. I think it's a perfect time for me to throw this quote out there. I heard this quote several years ago. One of my mentors mentioned it to me, and I honestly don't know if it was his original quote or if he shared it from someone else. But I just want the listeners to listen to this very carefully. Listen to the wording. Great trainers don't make good horses. Great horses make good trainers. Mm. Think about that. Great trainers don't make good horses. Great horses make good trainers. I would encourage people to bring out the greatness in yourself and bring out the greatness of your horses. I don't even know what to say. I mean, there's so much food for thought there. Thank you, Van. That's If you're listening to this and, and this has sparked some questions in your mind or you know, you just want to give some feedback to Van on this topic, lessons you've learned, lessons you'd like to learn, share your thoughts with Van. You can do that in the the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page or directly to Van by emailing him at info at vanhargis.com. He reads every email that comes in and he'll reply either directly to you or in a future episode if it's appropriate or maybe both. If you have enjoyed this episode, if you're enjoying the podcast, would you help Van spread the word? Tell a friend. Most people find podcasts through word of mouth. And so if you've got some friends who are interested in horsemanship or in developing their humanship through horsemanship, tell them about Ride Every Stride, show them how to subscribe and help them join this community and join this conversation. Van. Any upcoming events or anything going on that you want listeners to know about before we close? Yeah, we've got we've got events coming up in Canada in the very near future, Laura. And I think it's in the middle of September or so that we're doing some things up there. And I think we're also negotiating right now, in fact. But I think we're going to be doing some horsemanship presentations in Oklahoma at a major horse sale that's going on up there. But we also want folks to realize, too, that we are available to you at any time via the, the website and the internet, they can contact us for private sessions. They can they can visit with us, ask your questions, and have me uh, direct those questions through online sessions. And, of course, you can also go to our website and schedule your own personal writing lessons. If you're ever down in this part of the country, you can uh, you can do that with us. Um, I'd also like to encourage people, too, to remember, uh, anyone that might be interested, that we are reestablishing our equine intern and apprentice programs. We have a dormitory on-site at the ranch. And we strongly encourage those who are thinking about making the horse career or the horse industry their their career to come and let us be a part of it. We help you train not only just on the knowledge and stuff that you might gain with just the horsemanship itself, but we also we we kind of coach a little bit on the business and the marketing side of it uh, too to help people ship careers. Laura, I'm going to close by kind of giving a shout out to another company that's that's um, I just think is phenomenal. We ran across these these folks several years ago when we were up at the Denver market in Denver, Colorado. And uh, it's basically a company that develops these saddle racks and tack racks and everything. They, in fact, they they do almost everything you can imagine to store your tack in your tack rooms. And they're gracious enough to help me design my new tack room down at our new facility down here. And the company is called Equiracks. Absolutely phenomenal, extremely well-made. All of their stuff is powder coated. They can do, even do custom colors and powder coating. If if you want your tack room done in pink or purple or whatever you want, uh, they can do every color that you can think of just about. And uh, it's just absolutely amazing of the quality. And for anybody out there that may have an actual retail store 
they also do saddle racks, bridle racks, and all those things for equine or for um, uh, displays in your stores as well. Mm-hmm. And for anybody dealing with a lot of saddles, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to display a lot of saddles so that people can see them and see them well and so see them clearly. Local Racks does a fine job of doing that type of store play as well. So just give those guys a look. And again, you can find them at Equirax.com, Equirac.com. And uh, Laura, with that said, I just want to, again, thank you for being such a good host for us. And people really appreciate it. We get messages from time to time about, uh, about you asking all the right questions, which I think really helps the podcast be successful. And we really appreciate that. And again, thank you to all of our listeners because you're the folks that truly make it possible for us. And with that said, I'd like to say that it's your ride, it's your trail, it's your journey, so ride every stride.